Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A very warm welcome to a serious radio live brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio on every third Tuesday of the month. Discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. Today, your hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze will be presenting yet another truly insightful a serious radio live show how dr george king changed the cosmic plan so without further ado i hand you over to richard and chrissy hello hello chrissy thank you nikki hi there richard thanks a lot nikki for the intro we have a big subject today don't we another big subject vast another vast one we can only scratch the surface i think in in this one hour that we have this hour of truth on ethereus radio live um shall i set the scene for it chrissy oh yes please do richard Okay, so how did Dr. George King change the cosmic plan? So different avatars through the ages have brought different qualities with them to Earth and they've injected new energies into the consciousness of humanity when they've come for a specific purpose at specific times. You could say, for example, the Lord Buddha brought peace, compassion, and personal spiritual discipline. Some people forget that last one. He was highly disciplined and really uh, challenging, actually, uh, of people's personal lives to become a Buddhist as he taught it. The Master Jesus brought love, humility, and selfless sacrifice. You could certainly say, especially love. He was the epitome of love. Moses brought and taught a faith in God and he demonstrated it and obedience to God's law. Those are just examples of certain things by certain previous avatars. One could name others. And so the question today on Ethereus Radio Live is what did Dr. George King bring to the table and how did he change the cosmic plan? Because he didn't just follow the plan as given to him by his own master, the Master Ethereus and other cosmic masters. He, with their permission, I want to stress that, with their approval and he knew exactly whose approval he would need at any given time and he made sure he got it because uh, he absolutely followed the law that was his whole DNA you might say but what did he do how did he make these changes well he brought global service he brought fighting evil uh, he brought a cosmic concept perhaps those are some of the qualities that he and those who spoke through him brought a spiritual expression on this planet but he brought something else too, and he did it in his own right. And that was strategy, or shall we say karmic strategy, for the betterment of humanity. He single-handedly changed the cosmic plan, which is, as you may remember, for the salvation and enlightenment of Earth, or of humanity upon Earth. Now, in 1965, uh, the Master Ethereus made a very perceptive, as you would expect, remark about Dr. King. And it, it, it featured in the biography, The King Who Came to Earth. And it's also turned out, I believe, to be a very prophetic one, too. He said this, A man can have two great faults. One, he can be nothing. The other, he can be so great as to appear nothing because of his very greatness. This has happened. It was by design in a way, not our design, but it was known and foreseen. For when the world appreciates the leader of the Ethereum society, it will have advanced greatly. It must have advanced greatly to be capable of such a degree of appreciation. Now that was in 1965, and I would like to suggest here that in the 32 years of his mission that followed this, um, it, it, it was uh, increased exponentially, I would say, Chrissy. I think that whole advancement of the Ethereum Society and of those in it, directly or indirectly at least, 
uh, absolutely increased from there on. And it became more difficult, if anything, I would say, in certain respects for the world to appreciate because of that. And we'll go back to that later. Because he did appear, and to most people he still does appear, to be of no real significance. It's a very strange thing and something he said himself, that if he'd done a lot less, if he'd done one thing, like brings just, say, the 12 blessings, and that's that, and focused on that, and made a massive thing of that, he'd be far more famous, far more accessible, and, uh, and far more highly regarded. No doubt about it. But, of course, he didn't. He never stopped. And people, even if they had heard of him, and we've tried to make sure, and we know that millions, tens of millions, probably, I should say, hundreds of millions, I'm sure, have heard of him at one time or another. But even if they have, they tend to disregard him as being either wacky, eccentric, or whatever other word that they might come up with. And this, as the Master of Theorists so rightly said, is because he was so advanced. Had he just been, let's say, a Western master of yoga, and when I came in, and Chrissy, when you came in, that's how he was promoted, a Western master of yoga. And someone who, say, taught meditation and healing who, to improve our, our, our sense of well-being and help others, um, I think he'd have been much better known and taken far more seriously, probably by... Um, the National Health Services of the world and possibly by governments indirectly. Who knows if that's all he'd focused on? Even in the UFO field, which I've done a lot in myself, but had he just been a researcher, a campaigner for the truth or a speaker on the topic, uh, he'd be much more highly regarded now uh, as a pioneer in that field than he is as, as primary terrestrial mental channel for the gods from space because there's so much that goes with that. And there's so much they have to take on board. And you can't sit on the fence. You either take him as a whole or you don't take him at all. And some choose not to try not to anyway, to take him at all. And that's a big mistake. But it all goes back to this point made by the Master Etherius. When the world appreciates the leader of the Etherius Society, it will have advanced greatly. So it's dependent on the advancement of humanity, the amount of appreciation that the Ethereum Society and Dr. King receives. Yeah, it seems that people only seem to respect and appreciate people who validate their own beliefs. I, I don't know. It's, what do you think, Richard? Why do you think it is that this is the case with humanity? Well, I, I have to go with what the Master Ethereum stated there. And, and I think... It, is, it also is interesting because the Master Ethos makes a point of saying something which he didn't have to say, he didn't have to tell us anyway, very interesting, that this happened by design, but not by our design, says the Master Ethos, which must be the design mm -hmm. of the Cosmic Masters, I would take that to mean. And he says they, they foresaw it, they knew it, but they didn't design it that way. It's, it's he who did this. That's all it can mean. And so the designer of this appearance to most people on earth of Dr. King being nothing, appearing to be nothing, in other words, of no significance, not worthy of looking into, was a result of Dr. King. Um, coming to your question, Chrissy, as to, as to why is it, um, it's, I, I think, for most people, too much to take on board, I think, which also tells what the master theorist says. They hear one thing, they hear another thing, and it's just too big a stretch. And frankly, they're not interested in really spending the energy to, to exerting the energy to find out whether it's true or not, because it's just so out of their, it becomes out of their interest range even, never mind their belief range. And, you know, so, and, and people on Earth do this thing, don't they, saying, well, I don't believe that, without looking yeah. into it. You know, I, I, I don't believe that. They, they, they don't, what they mean, really, is I don't want to believe that, because they have no idea whether it's true. I mean, they see somebody on television, for example, praying into what looks to them like a box in a red robe, and I know someone who saw that image, and he was a, he was a boy when he saw it, and he was absolutely overcome by it and, and I'll name him and look at him now that's Mark Bennett who's now an international director he, it was so impressive to him 
um, and he's sitting in the studio with me now, so he can correct me if I'm wrong, um, that uh, it drew him to the Aetherius Society because he could see beyond the veneer. It made perfect sense to him. And I must say, when I first heard about the Society, Christy, it made perfect sense to me. didn't seem strange. Yes. It absolutely fitted. Everything answered questions. But to, coming back to that image, a lot of people would see that, oh, no, well, that looks ridiculous. Why are they wearing that robe? What is that thing? What's their hand doing there? No, that's got to be rubbish. I think some people will do that if they even take that interest. Uh, and, and, of course, to do that is highly unintelligent, Sorry to upset anybody, but it's very unintelligent. It would be perfectly more intelligent to say, look, I'm not interested. I don't want to be part of anyone who does that. At least there's a sort of coherence to that. But they'll go a lot further than that and just dismiss it out of hand because either they don't like it or it just seems too far out to even put their minds there. That would be my... What would, what would you say, Chrissy? Well, I think it's because people know on some level that it requires change. And even though we look at the world and we know change is essential right now, people find it very difficult to make a change personally. They like their lives as they are, and that's what they're trying to maintain. So to come across something like this, it's a, you know, beyond the scope of anything they've ever come across before. It requires a real seeker, someone who really is desperate to know what life's all about. Yeah, and I would say, coming back to the master theorist's word, advancement. It takes a certain advancement yeah. to see something like yeah. that and say, oh, yes, that, that's a beautiful thing. I must look into that. That's an advanced, uh, by earth standards, an advanced person. Um, you, you know, and, and people have come in through many ways. Um, I, I was talking to someone not long ago who came in through reading the biography now, I think that takes real advancement for somebody to read that particular book uh, as a new person and see that it's true because there's yes. so much in there and it pushes you, pushes you as the chapters go on. This wasn't deliberate on the, on the part of the authors, myself and Brian Kniep, but it just we had to tell the whole story and tell the whole truth for posterity apart from anything else. And so inevitably, because of the way Dr. King was and the way he never stopped for one minute, he was always pushing the boundaries on and on and on every day throughout his mission, um, the book has to do that. And it pushes me. And I think a lot of people would either think, oh, my goodness, this is... They might like the book and, and they might... I mean, I've come across others who've really liked the book who are new to us. Um, but for someone like the person I'm talking about to read it and think, well, that's true, I believe that makes perfect sense, does take a certain advancement. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's hard for, I think you and I, Chrissy, it's more difficult in one way, in that so many of these happened on our watch. We were around while these changes were being made by Dr. King to the Cosmic Plan. And, you know, we saw him introduce Operation Prayer Power, and we saw him introduce Operation Space Power too, and develop Sunbeam and start the Sat doing the Saturn mission. And uh, it all happened incrementally. Someone to come in yes. now, there's an, a, a tremendous amount to take on board. It, it, it's, and, and I think we should sort of not hide the fact that the Ethereum Society is by far the most spiritually potent organization on Earth, with one exception, the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. And there's no point beating about that particular bush. That, that is it. I mean, and if it wasn't, and if there was some, another organization that I felt was, I'd go to that other organization, frankly, and I'm sure you would too, Chrissy. But it, yeah. it just is. Streets ahead. But there is that problem of accessibility. What, what, what would you say, Chrissy? Yes, absolutely. I, I think also Dr. King, he, he changed spirituality. He completely yeah. changed it. So people think, why should I go into spiritual things? I've got enough in my life. I'm busy at work. I've got family to look after. Spirituality takes a very low position. <laughs> but Dr. And plus they think of it in another way. They think it's an ethereal sort of thing. And he changed what spirituality is. Um, yes, he did. I'm sure that answers your question, but um, I was just thinking he did. about that. I agree, and, and he made it a functional thing. He made it, a, for just to name one thing, uh, a sort of relief agency 
which spirituality hadn't been seen as. You know, if you've got a, the, the, the sort of the services, which we still desperately need, you know, obviously the fire services, the relief services, the medical relief services, all of those, yes, but not spiritual people jumping into the breach and saving the planet. It wasn't a concept that was really pushed before. It was the concept that was pushed was your own development, your own peace, your own, you yeah. know, getting rid of uh, unhappiness from your life. Uh, coping better, all of those. It was a personal, always a personal thing. And he and he's made, he, he, and not only he, I have to say, the cosmic masters, the nine freedoms and the 12 blessings and the master theorist's teachings and all the others. It was a, suddenly became a, a global uh, uh, operation, a global factor. And the main emphasis was always um, changing the world, not much more than changing yourself. Yeah, that's a very good point. I wonder if that's why, you know, we have a lot of people who are very interested in the society. We do a lot of people, many thousands yeah. of people. And they come along to activities and they love the teachings and they join the online. And then, I mean, I had someone recently who said to me, well, I do all these things, but why should I join the society? Mm. And I think what you're saying makes so much sense, you know. But... What, what would you say to that? Why should they enjoy well, it? They're already I've been, Yeah, I've been secretary here for over 40 years in, in London, so I've been very involved in membership as a thing. And I'm, a, as, as you'd expect, and I'm, sure, I'm not alone in this, I'm sure everyone would agree, actually, but a tremendous believer in the power and the potency of membership of the Ethereum Society. And I, I don't think people see it that way. Um, they, they don't realize what a difference they are making when they join the Ethereum right. Society. Yeah, they don't realize it's putting them in a... Com Just that act of becoming a member puts you in a completely different karmic position than you were in the day before. And not just for yourself, yes, for yourself, but not mainly for yourself, you then become an active participant participant in the cosmic plan in a way that you weren't the day before just by being a card carrying member of the Ethereum society because then you are an active supporter i mean we have supporters and we we really appreciate them who are not members uh, they're sympathizers uh, they might be friends of the society they come along to some of our activities and some of them donate towards our missions and our work and that's really appreciated uh, so I'm not going to say you have to be a member to help and support us. You don't. But just by being a member, you are supporting the cosmic plan. Just that act alone. You, you're, and you're doing it karmically through the group soul. You're strengthening by your presence, your participation as a member, the group soul of the Ethereum Society, especially if you're a good member especially if you're you know, doing service. We have people, for example, in Wari in Nigeria that I know for a fact, uh, according to what they tell us, are doing at least three services a day, wow. either, either at an official meeting or on their own. And those members, you might say, well, they're not attending prayer power. They're, they're, they're not able to donate, some of them. They're, and I'm just taking worry as only one example because I happen to have received some information from worry. But it's, I'm sure it applies in Ghana. I'm sure it applies in, in Australia. I'm sure it applies across the board. We have excellent members. The point I'm making is their actions in those areas are strengthening the group soul of the Ethereum Society because they're behaving as a very, very, very good member. If they were doing it as a sympathizer, it wouldn't be strengthening the group soul of the Ethereum Society so much, nearly so much. So it wouldn't be affecting Operation Sunbeam, which is performed by the Ethereum Society, so much. It wouldn't be affecting prayer power, even though they can't attend it, they're supporting it by being a member. Yeah. Yes, so I, 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 to answer your question, I think it's very, very big difference between being, you know, a sympathizer, which as I want to stress, we do appreciate and we don't recruit. There's no obligation for anyone to join. But by joining, they're taking a karmic step. And from their own point of view, it's a, it's a step forward in their evolution, especially if they live up to it. This must be quite unique, Richard, this 
level of uh, being able to support the cosmic plan through just joining as a member in that at that level i mean it must be quite unique for any organization certainly existing today on this level don't you think i mean yeah i mean let me just give one absolute very explicit example which isn't secret um that we have we we perform operation sunbeam which is even more important than Operation Prepower. And that's saying a lot, by the way, because Operation Prepower is in the cosmic plan. But Operation Sunbeam, as people will know, and some listeners will know very, very well indeed, uh, is done for the benefit of the Mother Earth. Uh, it's, it's a token. It's not that she really needs it, maybe, uh, but as a karmic token, it's extremely powerful. We're giving something back. That's we... Uh, the Ethereus Society, on behalf of humanity, but the, the mission has to be performed by the Ethereus Society. That's not just the team who are fortunate enough, as I was earlier this month, to be on such a team. Uh, it's every member of the Ethereus Society indirectly is part of that. And we hold a particular service, and I won't go into the details of it, which only members uh, can attend which is part of its performance. It's part of the modus operandi, if you like, as left by Dr. King. So those members who do that, either by attending, which is the best way, or if they can't attend, they're doing it online, which is still excellent. They are playing a part in that mission. And if they weren't members, they couldn't play a part in that mission in that way. And that's just one example. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? It really is fantastic. You know, and then and there are other what? benefits too, such as hearing certain teachings which are only available to members. These are rules not made, by the way, I want to stress you, by me or even by the international directors. These rules were made by Dr. George King himself personally, based on his own karmic knowledge. And he decided what, what exclusive benefits should be available only to members. And they, they have access, just to name one thing, because we've talked about it before, to hearing the original transmissions of Operation Carmelite. And it's one thing even to know about it. It's another thing to hear it delivered by the Master Ethereus. Now, that's tremendously beneficial to that member. Yes, it will change their consciousness, enlighten them in a way that no other teaching could other than say the alien mission or another of those types of mission but it is very good for humanity as a whole to have that being implanted via that member via that member into the mind belt of earth so they're playing a part I think it's something we forget, that every time you study the cosmic teachings, if you're studying the nine freedoms, if you're listening to the Master Ethereus giving a transmission, or the Master Jesus, you're helping to implant that teaching, that essence, that energy, into the mind belt of earth. You are serving, as well as studying. That's such an important point, Richard, when there is so much confusion in the world right now, in the mind belt. Yeah, and uh, that's a very valuable point. That I think. Thank you. Yeah, and of course, with Dr. King, he—I mean, when you're in an organisation as we are, which has a clear master, an avatar in our case. How fortunate are we? One of the greatest ever to walk the earth. Uh, that's not a statement he would have made, but a statement that was made uh, by a number of sources, uh, cosmic sources. One of the greatest ever to walk this earth. And in certain regards, in certain specific areas, the greatest. I want to make sure I haven't been misleading there. In certain particular types of ability, he was absolutely the number one in that area. And in one of those was karmic strategy. And so he had a particular type of karmic strategy and ability to strategize uh, which has never been seen on earth before in that way. Of course, there are other great masters uh, who ha had, all of the great masters, as a matter of fact, were strategists. But he had a particular, that was his, one of his particular expertise. And when you follow a master, you should try to deploy the essence of that master in the way that you live. That's a very ancient 
um, Eastern, and probably not just Eastern, concept. I'm sure it could be uh, a pretty universal thing. You take the energy of the master you've chosen to follow and you try to exhibit those qualities in your life in, in a probably a much more lowly way, but in a way. So it's, it's very good to study that master and how he operated. And he was always thinking. It didn't matter if, if he was watching a television program or eating his dinner. He was always thinking. Uh, he was always trying to improve and never settling, even for his own inventions, never being fully satisfied. He worked and he worked. And we can see so many examples of this in the way he brought his strategy to bear upon the cosmic plan as it was even delivered to him by the cosmic masters. Don't you think so, Chrissy? Oh, absolutely. And um, in the last, uh, well, in the previous show that we talked about how about the going to the holy mountains and yes. how it was uh, the practice of the 12 blessings on a charge mountain during a spiritual push is, was the greatest yoga that we could perform. Very, very I don't think it was even actually, to be clear, I don't <laughs> think it was specified it had to be during a spiritual push, did it? Actually, you're right. It, it didn't no. even have to be during a spiritual push. No. During a char- on a charged mountain, performing the 12 blessings yeah. um, was called the new yoga of this age. And yet, Correct. As, you, as you've said, our master changed that to a certain extent. And Can you explain that, Richard? Yes, I mean, it's a wonderful practice indeed. And on March the 14th, 1959, the Master of Theorists made the statement that, that Chris has just referred to, Uh, Because this is before, just to remind everyone, he actually went to America. He went to America, I think it was, I believe it was either May or June of 59. Um, And he hadn't gone yet, but uh, he'd been engaged in, 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 in obviously, the charging of the mountains in the UK. And um, it was revealed that in the Aquarian Age, the practice of the 12 blessings upon the charged mountains is the most potent practice you can perform. It's the new yoga of this present age, said the Master Ethereus. And it was given uh, 52 years before the date which had been initially settled for this revelation. And extrapolating back, that would take us to 2010 because it was possible to the 12 blessings on a holy mountain um, from as soon as they were delivered, really, which was would, they, it was completed in October 58, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, that, but there, and, it's, and let me absolutely stress, it's a wonderful thing to do still and always will be. It's one of the greatest things any of us can do, but it's a strange thing that many years later when he launched Operation Prayer Power, he did it under the uh, heading or the statement that it was a new yoga for a new age. And it is a very strange thing that attending, if you're able to, and I do appreciate a lot of people aren't able to because they don't live near enough and they aren't able to move near enough. Some are, but some aren't. Uh, But if you are able to attend Operation Prayer Power, it's even greater practice because, uh, and I'm assuming there that you're not doing prayer power on that holy mountain, which we sometimes do on Holston Down, Uh, because then you're directly cooperating with a mission which is part of the cosmic plan. Directly. Your energy that you put in that battery is going to be manipulated by cosmic masters directly. And you can't be sure when you go to a holy mountain that it will be. You You can't really expect that it will be specifically manipulated. Um, And so... There's a change, Chrissy, I would say. There's an example, which doesn't in any way undermine the importance of going to holy mountains. Far from it. It's a wonderful thing to do. Going anywhere and doing the 12 blessings is a wonderful thing to do. I was doing it last a few days ago on a, on a volcano in, in the Canary Isles. Uh, it, it, you can do this in all kinds of settings. But Operation Prayer Power is an even greater mission. It wasn't, didn't exist when that statement was made by the Master Theorist. It was designed by Dr. George King, accepted into the cosmic plan, and so there is an example, a very good one, of how he changed the cosmic plan, I would say. Yes, as you say, Richard, he made it more karmically potent alternative too, but do you think also there's another aspect 
not only of his practicality, because not everyone can climb a holy mountain, for example. Some people are too old or, or not too well. Whereas everyone, in certain ways, can uh, can support Operation Prayer, even if they don't attend. But also his great compassion, and his, he always wanted to include everybody, didn't he? I wonder if that was part of it. You know, I would. It could be, but I would think the main part of it, because with him, he always had many reasons for every move he made. And by yeah. the way, he originally conceived it as a, as a sort of mission for the members, very much so. Oh, this is not restricted to members. It really isn't. I mean, people, and he wanted non-members, he wanted it to be open to people, as long as they're qualified to, to attend. They know the mantras and they can perform them correctly, to be able to attend. And they do, and that's absolutely great. But he very much had the members in mind. But it was, I think, coming back to the strategy, it was this having energy available when you need it was one element right. that was right. definitely part of it. It wasn't even for the attenders' sake. It was for the world was his prime motivation right. there, I think. And the fact that it would be manipulated by the cosmic masters directly. He involved them in it. He had a way of involving the cosmic masters in his plan. <laughs> and they, they became involved, and they are involved. And so, you know, uh, in the last spiritual push over here, we, we discharged an absolute record amount of energy because we'd done so many extra sessions to make up for the ones that we'd, we'd missed during the lockdown. And uh, this was all manipulated by the controllers of satellite number three. And also, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the response of Operation Prayer to Power to specific emergencies and the fact, and he stated this, that it can enable, because that is the word, uh, karmically enable. I'm glad you said karmically potent, Chrissy. That's, I, you kind of corrected me in a way, because I'm not suggesting that for the individual it's necessarily more spiritually uplifting than it is to go to a holy mountain. It may not be. And that individual might even be able to generate a much greater power on the mountain than, the, than they might be able to generate in a, in, a, in a meeting hall in some city. That's given. But from a karmic point of view, it's much, much more powerful. And so it enables the Great White Brotherhood a release, particularly in, a, in, a, in an emergency situation, to release ten times that amount sometimes. Uh, because they are restricted by karma. And the fact that we, they have batteries, they've had batteries for many centuries, of course. This is new to an organization on Earth to have batteries. We release some energy, say 300 hours. They might be able to release 3,000 hours from their batteries because we've done it, because of the karmic limitations that they are under. Absolutely. Here's a question, Richard, that I have been asked in the past. Uh, you mentioned that he likes to involve you know, cosmic masters and the Great White Brotherhood, and people know that he received communications many, many over the years, 600. But I, I've been asked, well, how did he involve them? How did he contact the cosmic masters? Mm -hmm. Great question. Yeah. And I think since uh, if I answer it, I'll be in trouble with our producer because we've come, <laughs> I, will, I will answer it, but I probably after the break... Because I think we should hand back now to Nikki to give the announcements, please. <laughs> oh, my, both of you. It's a, a fascinating, I mean, you just carry on and carry on. I, I'm happy to listen. But anyway, that's a fascinating first half of the show. And thanks so very much, Richard and Chrissy. Brilliant, brilliant. You are listening to a Sirius Radio Live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, who are talking about how... Dr. George King changed the cosmic plan. Yes, and we are active Tuesday, November the 2nd at 7pm, sees another King Yoga event. And this one deals with a sensitive topic that affects us all, entitled, What Happens After We Die? And this is being presented by Ayub Malik. This will be live a live-streamed event only and is free. So for more details, please visit Asterius.org. Yes, we are fortunate. 12 midnight GMT, November the 4th, 
Once more, we're indebted to the compassionate gods from space as we welcome again into orbit of Earth that wonderful giant spacecraft we know as the third satellite flooding our world with much needed spiritual energy. This spiritual push or magnetization period lasts until December the 10th, during which all spiritual actions performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. You are warmly invited to join us for this potent service to mark the first hour of the fourth and final spiritual push for 2021, which will be live-streamed from the Aetherius Temple in Los Angeles. Now, the next Aetherius Radio Live on November the 16th will be presented by your host, Chrissy, joined by a regular and very popular guest, Alison Lawrence. They will be discussing an essential subject which we should all hold close to our hearts. How can we help the Mother Earth? So that's it for now, and I'm very pleased to hand you back to your hosts, Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki. So, yes, you raised the question of how did he contact the cosmic masters. And I would say on these types of issues, like if he wanted to make changes to the plan or introduce a new mission, for example, um, he did it very strategically again. He did it very cleverly, if you want to use that word. I would say he, he did it very cunningly. I know cunning is not a thing people associate with spirituality very much on earth. They should do, actually, uh, in, if they're in the Christian tradition, because um, the uh, Master Jesus, according to the Bible anyway, told his followers to be as cunning as serpents. They often change that word now from cunning. They don't like to use that so much. But that was certainly the going translation when I heard it at school, as cunning as a serpent, as harmless as a dove. Um, of course, cunning has been used for evil many times, but it can, of course it can also be used for spirituality, and it can be used with great honesty. It isn't necessarily a dishonest quality at all. And so he, first of all, I'd say, Chrissy, he had an uncanny way of knowing who he needed to approach about a given particular mission, and he needed all, he had an uncanny way of also timing that approach and this this happened over and over again he, he would want to contact someone and they just happened to be in in the solar system or in the vicinity or um he, he would he would pick his time brilliantly um he had a way of extracting the kind of Cooperation, because we have to remember that for the cosmic masters, they weren't allowed to intervene beyond a certain point. They couldn't just come here and say, it would be a very good idea if you did this and a very good idea if you did that and just tell us what to do. And he really didn't like the idea. And I'm sure you heard him say, as, as I did, Chrissy, many times, you know, we've got, I think he used to say, size 10, stand on them, talking about himself, his feet, you know. Um, he didn't like the idea and he didn't agree with the idea of leaning on the cosmic masters. It wasn't allowable. It would have been a contravention of karmic law. So he had to find ways of involving them. I think the most obvious example, and I think we've gone into this before, is Operation Space Power 2. And it's, mm, it's, yeah. a, it's a brilliant insight. And it, you'll find it in the book Operation Space Power. And, you know, you can read Operation Space Power on various levels, and you can certainly read it as a revelation about that particular mission and Operation Space Power 2 and the manipulation of energy and, and how Operation Prayer Power Energy is manipulated and, and how you have resonance and excess. All those things are explained brilliantly in it. But also, it's an exercise in psychology. I'd like to say cosmic psychology. Yeah. Because he... Asks, he, he, first of all, he gains an audience with satellite number three, and right. he asks his various questions, and they lead to a point. And there is a moment, and I, I can't remember the exact quote now, but where the, the person answering it says something along these lines, we can see now why you're asking this question. <laughs> and I don't believe myself that they couldn't see before, I think they'd be perfectly capable of seeing it. But they knew they were playing a kind of a game, 
a game and the whole of, of Dr. King's being really is about applying karmic law and or cooperating with karmic law. He was in an earth physical body, therefore he was in a position, so if he had an idea or a thought while he was in that physical body, it's far, far more potent than if they gave it to him which they probably wouldn't be allowed to do anyway. So in that content, and I do recommend our listeners, if they've got that book, Operation Space Power, if not, you can get it on our website uh, or, or wherever you, you, you get our books. And you see in there the, the way he leads the conversation to a point where you end up at the end with what he really wanted, which is them bequeathing, and in fact he didn't expect this kind of uh, amount, um, thousands and thousands of hours of, of energy to our world through Operation Space Power 2, which we're using all the time. Millions of prayer hours um, have been given as a result, you could say, of that one conversation between himself and a cosmic intelligence. Yes, because he, he knew that the, or the energy that goes out, as people know, through the five spiritual energy radiators every evening during a spiritual push, the three hours helping to bring balance and harmony, it's not all used. And that was a concept, certainly, I, I had never thought about that before. Nor me, um, nor me. brought it up. Uh, of course, he did see that. Um, he so saw it. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and likewise, you could look at Sunbeam, and he saw, he, you know, he devised Operation Sunbeam in an Earth physical body. So, and this is the thing that I think, and um, we are told, inspired the galaxy, that it came out of a brain of someone on, you know, on Earth. We know he wasn't from Earth, but he was on Earth. He was under limitation. He wasn't in his full aspect. He wasn't even in his adept number one aspect. And he wasn't given the idea in a transmission or in some kind of mental communication, he conceives of it himself in his brain. Very simple concept, but not one that had been thought of before. Um, you know, of, of giving energy to Earth and finding, and then he found a way to do it. And that was often the difficult thing, to find a way to do the things that he could see needed to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And Richard, um, you worked so closely with, with Dr. King over many, many years. And um, did he involve you in, in you know, these concepts these, uh, that he came up with to change the cosmic plan? How, how did those evolve on a daily basis? Well, the big, as you would expect, all the big moves, all the big ideas and so on came entirely from him. And there were certain moves that he made that he didn't even really explain to the people. I was, I was fortunate enough in the last 10 years of his life particularly to be involved, I would say, in all the discussions really about how the Ethereum Society would continue after his demise, his physical demise. Because, of course, he, he's very much still with us, but not physically. And it's a very different karmic situation indeed, though, when he's not with us physically. And so there were many aspects to take into account, and there were, there were meetings with various different people, but I, I was in that sort of position where I was involved in all of them to some degree, and also was given a task of thinking up things that needed answers. Uh, I think I've mentioned one before in Ethereum Radio Live, for example, do we still need to build temples? And we've, we've addressed that in some depth in previous Ethereum Radio shows um, and I had to he would just say to me go away write down all the, the things that uh, will need to be dealt with after I've gone and I just so I, I wasn't the only one I'm sure but I was certainly involved in doing that um, so it wasn't a question you know you might think with a master you'd sit back and he would just pronounce and you'd go oh, thank you master that's great bow and off you go uh, that was of no help. To, he impressed that upon me very early on and told me off for that kind of attitude very early on in my dealings with him. Uh, he, he was looking for help. He was looking for feedback. 
Now, sometimes he'd come, uh, uh, to, to give just an example, I think we talked about in the last show, the ecclesiastical structure, the idea of going down that direction was entirely, he, he, he came from him, he didn't say, should we do this? He knew we had to do it, and then we had to discuss how to do it. And Lady Monique was very involved in that, uh, in terms of the rituals that had to be devised for um, consecrating bishops, ordaining priests and so on within the Aetherius churches um, so you know, a lot of people got involved in different aspects and would make suggestions sometimes you call all the engineering officers in Los Angeles to, to, together and, and get their feedback on certain things um, but by and large he knew exactly what, what direction he wanted to go in uh, I would say more uh, let, let me give one example. You know, the, 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 the way the bodies were set up and how they would be appointed in, from, you know, after his demise was something that evolved um, and, and, and he made it clear what he wanted, which is to have the three bodies we have and to have those bodies picking their new members internationally. And that's how right. that evolved, rather than, for example, going to, say, a vote by the members. And he made that change, and I, I think, be, and not that he'd ever really gone down the going for a vote route anyway, but, but he, he could see that, obviously, that the people who have the experience, who really know people, um, and would be the best people to make those kind of judgments. And he didn't really want, I don't, I don't think, politics introduced into the society through what you do get when you get voting, you get canvassing and all that sort of thing. And he, that's we don't have at all in the Ethereum society. Um, but uh, I, I would say to answer your question, it could vary a lot. I mean, he could, he could either almost say, he could say, you don't have a right to an opinion. You're not at the adept stage. You could say that. He said that to me. And he could also tell, tell you off for sitting back and, and not coming forth and giving your opinions. And even at times, in my case anyway, disagreeing with him, which was a difficult thing for me certainly to do, I must admit at first. Um, but at times, uh, for example, where I, I did, I'll give an example of that, disagree with him, um, sometimes was in the area of publicity and promotion of the society. And I don't think, I mean, and he made no secret of this, he really wasn't interested in publicity and promotion himself personally at all. And I think I've been told that's a very um, impressive quality, actually, because he didn't make his decisions based on what was in our interests and how things looked. He made his right. decisions on how think you know what was going to do the greatest good for the world through the Ethereum Society. What's the best system? How's this going to operate? He liked the military approach very much. Um, he, he he was really no nonsense. He was for speaking truth, and he didn't sometimes, in my humble opinion, um, consider uh, what was actually going to to reach people. And I think that really tallies in a way uh, and bears out what the master theorist said in the quote i gave earlier on it was it, it it made it has made the ethereum society quite inaccessible to a lot of people and that's a problem that's a difficulty especially for those engaged in expansion and promotion It'd be much easier to be promoting some temples beautiful temples that you can actually see with an unusual shape that's a story in itself you go in there you can feel it um, or, or even going up mountains and praying would be, uh, I think, more appealing to a lot of people than being asked from a distance to support a team in the field doing what seems to be quite an obscure mission, such as the Saturn mission. Yeah, talking of the Saturn mission, Richard, um, that's another thing. The Master changed something about that, didn't he? Because in the beginning, it, it was, um, had to be done during spiritual pushes. And that true. Changed. That's very true. That's so, a very good point, Chrissy. Yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. He um, originally. I mean, first of all, um, I just want to just make sure I've been clear on what I've said before. That although it made the Ethereum Society more inaccessible, I think, and more difficult to promote the direction he took it in, uh, it made it far more potent, though, 
and yeah. introduced, I would say, on the plus side, and this could be his instinctive knowledge um, of the dark forces, who he really knew, uh, knew about, I mean, and understood how they operate brilliantly, uh, as, as probably more than any other avatar, maybe, ever. Um, he did, I think, by doing that, reduce certain type of interference, maybe, because people who are less... Um, when you're less visible, um, people, if they just disregard you and think, well, you're not much, you're not worthy of consideration, they might be less inclined to try and interfere with you on, on, at one level. But I want to stress, though, it would not stop, and it has not stopped, interference from the really powerful dark forces who can see beyond that as well. They can also see beyond uh, what you know, the appearance of something. And so there is, the, we have had interference as well as we've had tremendous help. Um, but to come to your point about the Saturn mission, yes, the plan was to, um, in fact, have, uh, let, let me see if I can, um, yes, let me get this right. So plans were underway for the future of the Saturn mission, um, which then could only be performed, as you say, Chrissy, during a spiritual push, because the reason it could only be performed during a spiritual push is because satellite number three was used as an energy source during the phases, and still right. is. And so if it's done now, during a, a spiritual push, satellite number three will still be used as the energy source. But what that meant, and we were discussing the future of the Saturn and one of the big discussions we had, both in America and Scotland, let me say, Dr. King did not think that the Saturn mission would be performed after his demise at one point. It, it, I think I'm right in saying it was late in um, 1994, so that's just two and a half years before his passing, that it was actually, he was approached by adept number five and asked whether the Ethereum Society could perform the Saturn mission. Up to then, we, it wasn't part of his plan. It wasn't a mission he designed, of course, himself. comes under, as we all know, the lords of Saturn, even though they use his equipment and his knowledge of psychic centers in it as part of their karmic tools. It's their mission. So he didn't take that as read at all. Now, then we had this problem of, particularly, I would say, in Scotland, but it's also applied in Lake Powell as well, of having to time the mission to fit in with one of the spiritual push uh, dates that have been given for the future. Anyway, Dr. King became aware that the, that the craft of a cosmic intelligence, given the code name ADAPT number 9, who operates around Earth, had been replaced by a larger satellite, and there was an increased crew of six on that. And I think this, I, I haven't got the exact dates, I don't know whether you have, Chrissy, but it could be as late as 1996, no. certainly 95, possibly 96, that this actually happened. And he seized on it. He, again, he wasn't told, nobody came to him and said, well, here's an opportunity, why don't you use this craft or try to? He requested that this craft could be used instead of satellite number three outside of a spiritual push. Because now there was a craft, and he became aware of it, who had the capability of doing this during a spiritual push. And that made an enormous difference to the performance of the Saturn mission since his demise. So it's another example of, despite his aging, failing physical body, him still having that thought. Uh, who would think of that? Uh, he was informed about this craft, and the Ethereum Society was informed about this craft, and then he, he went to the next stage. And I think it's called Satellite... I'm not that sure the name, of the name of it. Anyway, it comes under ADAPT number 9, and right. um, it, it, it has this capability, and he used it, and he requested its use, and it was granted. And that's changed our performance of the Saturn mission, uh, in, in, I think, in all um, times of the year. In all periods, uh, we've, we've had to use and been very grateful to use the services of that particular craft. And it's thanks to him having that idea and then getting permission to use it. Yeah, that was amazing. 
There are other examples too, Richard. I'm not sure if we have time to go into them. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, yeah, please do. No, please go on, Chrissy. I wanted to ask you a personal question, if you don't mind, about this spiritual path that really we've been talking about and how our master made it so much more potent, not just you know, changed the cosmic path, but made the path we're on so much more potent. And I know you've been on this path for, oh gosh, almost 50 years, I, just, mm. I think. Um, like you, I how, think, yeah. Yes, me too. Uh, we're very young still. Um, ah, yes. Just, just how, how you felt the change over the years have you consciously felt it changing in your own life well I'd like to say that I have never believed in the, the path of the Ethereum society also called King Yoga more than I believe in it now and I, I don't mean in this case but specifically in relation to the good we do in the world that's unchanged that that's something I, I accepted but in terms of as a path of development and it's not primarily a path of development it's primarily primarily a path of service but as a path of service and, and for the individual I have never believed more and this is based also, I have to say, not just on belief, but also on experience, not at the highest of levels, I don't claim that at all, but certainly spiritual experience. It really does work. Um, it works at a Kundalini level. Uh, and again, my experience is limited, but I, 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 I've had a bit in, to, to, to be able to say that. At, at a Nardic level, which are the internal channels within the aura, uh, through which the prana flows, and you can see why it works, and you can feel how it works as a path. And it's a massive change because in the past, really, it would have been seen. You, you could look at the path we have—a path of prayer, a path of mantra, a path of service, above all, path of breathing, path of visualization, and and all the other things that that are wrapped into it. I don't think you need anything else at all. I don't think there's some, you know, I, I've, I've looked through dozens, because I'm interested in them, of Kriya Yoga, Kundalini Yoga exercises um, over the years and, and many different advanced teachings and paths which couldn't actually be safely followed in the world at all. Uh, you could get mental health issues, I think, if you try to combine some of those with living in the world at all. But... I don't think any of those things are missing whatsoever. I think all the ingredients are there through the path we follow, not just for serving humanity, which is the main thing and must always be the thing, but also through raising your own internal energies high to higher chakras. And of course, when that happens, then you go from belief, you know, because there are grades of belief. There are people who say, well, I believe in this. But from their life, you can see they don't fully believe in it because if they did, they wouldn't live that way. And I mean, I could apply it to myself. I could apply it to everyone. There are degrees of belief, stroke experience, stroke knowledge, which come to you through this path. I don't know if that's answering your question at all, but it's, it's certainly a brand new path. And I think it's a path where you, you achieve enlightenment through experience rather than just through spirituality. And I, I don't think we've got time to elaborate on that at all, maybe some other time. But uh, that, that would be my reaction to that question, Chrissy. Well, thank you so much, Richard. That's very thought-provoking. Certainly I found over the years much greater appreciation and, and understanding as a you know, part of that. Yes. So thank you so much. I think we Thank have to you very much indeed. <laughs> I think we have to close, unfortunately. I think we do. Wonderful producer, Nikki. Well, well, I'm I'm, I'm rather more in, interested in hearing more. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. It's wonderful, and thank you so very much, Richard and Chrissy, as always, sharing such revelations on today's show, and I'm. I'm sure the listeners will be learning so much from what you've been revealing today. Thank you. As already mentioned, the next A Serious Radio Live show on November the 16th, How Can We Help the Mother Earth, 
will be taken with Chrissy Blaze as our host and her wonderful guest, Alison Lawrence. And a nice reminder, again, those gods from space, 12 midnight GMT, November the 4th, you are warmly invited to join us for the potent service to mark the first hour of the fourth and final spiritual push for 2021, and that will be live streamed from the Aetherius Temple in Los Angeles. And just quickly, if you would like to find out more on the facts and publications such as the book Operation Space Power mentioned in the show, please visit our shop on Aetherius.org. You can connect with Richard through his website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and also with Chrissy through her website, astrologycity.com. So we hope you enjoyed the show, and thank you so very much for listening, and we look forward to your company next month.